I remember I went into um, to Spiel, to Steven Spielberg's office. This is Thomas Tulock, the actor who plays Too Small, the smallest lost boy in Hook, recalling how he was cast in the movie. And I remember waiting in his waiting room, and there were probably six or eight arcade games set up in his waiting room. And I remember being super excited because it didn't require quarters. You just go up and you hit the start button and you're playing. Um, and so I got lost in, he had this big racing game rig set up. You could crawl inside and steer and, and race your car. And I, got, I was so wrapped up in playing that game that when they were ready to call me in for the audition, I didn't want to stop playing the game. Um, but they called me in um, and he had like a long uh, uh, table and he was sat at the end of the table uh, in a big chair, kind of like Monty Burns from the Simpsons, yeah. you know what I mean? Long chair, long table, big chair. And he was sat at the end of the table with some like producers or executives or something sat around him. And I marched up to him and I pounded my fist on his table and I shouted at him, you want to put me in your movie? <laughs> <laughs> and he did. When we got home that night, there was a message waiting on our answering machine calling me back for a second audition. And so that was that. Besides Thomas, there were lots more Lost Boys to be found, about 30 altogether. And for each of these Lost Boys in Hook, no matter the amount of screen time they take up or whether or not they have any lines, there is an actor. A kid who answered a casting call and promptly found himself on the biggest movie set in history with the most accomplished director in the industry and some of the most well-known actors in the world. It was the ultimate playground. My name is Christopher Allen Maloney, and this is Hooked, a deep dive podcast into the most bangerang movie ever made. This is episode three, Lost Boys. After being cast, Thomas Tulock was outfitted with tan-colored pajamas and given dirt smudges on his face. At the time, he had no concept of what he had just become part of. I had no idea the gravity of anything that I was doing at the time until after the film was out and uh, in the following years as I started getting a little older and learning about, you know, things. I started learning, oh, wait, yeah, no, Steven Spielberg actually is a, kind of a big name that commands a lot of respect. But yeah, at the time, I had no idea. When Hook was finally released on Blu-ray a few years ago, it featured some deleted scenes that presumably no one outside of Steven Spielberg and his editor, Michael Kahn, had seen before. One of them featured the most prominent Lost Boys introducing themselves by name. Robin Williams goes first. Let me get this straight. You're all lost boys, right? I'm Ace. Hello, Ace. Now you're telling me that there's Indians here too? Yeah! Now this was interesting because without this scene, not counting Rufio, of course, it's never really clear in the movie what the lost boys' names are. Who are you? I'm too small. That's his name. And you? Bad boy. What's your name? Don't ask. Why? That's his name! Oh, look. Things are turned a little upside down for me here. I do know this. I'll do anything to save my children. You want me to eat crow? I'll eat crow. You don't have to eat crow. You just have to crow crow. My name is Thudbutt. Okay, Mr. Thudbutt, we have a deal. 
the original name for what, okay, what Steven told me was the original name for my character was Ziggy. But what I have uh, recently come to learn is that in the original draft of the script, there were really only two Lost Boys that had lines. And what Steven actually ended up doing was taking the lines and the characteristics of these two Lost Boys and spreading them out and dividing them into a dozen or so other Lost Boys. But as he was kind of developing it and separating out, okay, this piece of Ziggy goes to that Lost Boy and now it'll be a whole Lost Boy. And then this piece goes to that one. He kind of came up with new names for us all kind of there on set on the spot on the first day. And I do remember standing there uh, in, in kind of the, the parking lot outside of the, out of the studio with myself and a bunch of the other Lost Boys standing around Steven as he's kind of divvying out names. Okay, you're going to be this, you're going to be this, you're going to be this. And then he, uh, as, of course, I'm standing there in this crowd and I'm the littlest one and he divvies out too small. He was coming up with the names like on the spot. Pretty much. Yeah. I think I, I, I laughed to myself about don't ask, because if I remember, we were all there standing in a circle kind of asking, OK, what's my name going to be? And so don't ask, what's my name going to be? And he says, don't ask. And so I think I think that's kind of how that came about. Um, and I'm sure there were a lot of other Lost Boys in the film that that happened to when you look at the food fight scene there's probably what 20 or 30 lost boys there right on either side of the table and they didn't all have names at the time of filming for sure the food fight scene this is usually one that stands out to fans of the movie who were kids when it came out it's colorful it's funny and it features some really creative insults from rufio and peter banning someone has a severe caca mouth do you know that you are a fart factory. Slug slime, sack of rat guts and cat vomit. Cheesy scab-picked pimple-squeezing finger bandage. A week-old maggot burger with everything on it and flies on the side. Substitute chemistry teacher. The context here is that Peter has lost his imagination so thoroughly that he can no longer partake in what his favorite activity used to be, manifesting a table full of delicious food. So while the Lost Boys are chowing down on a feast he can't see, he remains hungry and demoralized. It isn't until he eventually wins the name-calling session with Rufio that things begin to turn around. Rufio, if I'm a maggot burger, why don't you just eat me? You two-toned, zebra-headed, slime-coated, pimple-farming, paramecium brain, munching on your own mucus, suffering from Peter Pan envy! What's a paramecium brain? I'll tell you what a paramecium is! That's a paramecium! It's a one-celled critter with no brain that can't fly! Don't mess with me, man! I'm a lawyer! To punctuate his victory, Peter pantomimes launching a spoonful of something across the table, only to see it materialize into a colorful substance that splatters across Rufio's face. Imagination, Peter. On the table before them, Peter can now see a spread that includes succulent roast chicken, creamy and colorful desserts, huge bowls of fresh fruit, and a giant wedge of cheese. 
a feast made real by the rediscovery of Peter's imagination. And then a huge food fight erupts. looks like it must have been a blast to film it was in all honesty an utter nightmare uh the 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 actual when the camera's rolling and we're throwing food at each other that part was fun but it was everything before and after that made that scene possibly the most difficult and trying scene to film uh, oh, because, you know, after we throw the food around and we make this big mess, we have to clean it all back up and reset so we can do the scene again. Because, it, you know, you, you don't just do one take and move on. You do multiple takes and so they can choose the best one. Um, and so they would set up multiple cameras from multiple angles and then food fight go and we're throwing the food and everything and then cut. Okay, now go clean up. So all the Lost Boys, there was probably 20 or 30 of us, and there were four showers. And so I remember standing in line, uh, in a long line of 30, 30 guys covered in food stuff, waiting to take a 10-minute freezing cold shower because there wasn't enough hot water. Um, just to get cleaned up and go back and do it again. And it took us three days to film that scene because we, of the constant cleanup and resetting. So for those three days, it was constant cold showers and cleanup. And yeah, that was a difficult scene to film. <laughs> the scene that I'm most, uh, I guess, well known for, uh, the Goodnight Neverland scene, This sequence shows the Lost Boys turning in for the night, each in a bed placed somewhere in the giant tree that overlooks the water. One by one, the Lost Boys blow out their lanterns and then lie back to go to sleep. Eventually, it reaches Thomas's character, Too Small. That scene was, um, it was, it was trying. It, uh, I had, I mean, I had fun obviously, but it was a difficult scene to do because the candles were not real fire. It was a, a you know, a, a, a light bulb, a, a fake thing, a, a, you know, a light bulb attached to a, a button. So there'd be somebody off camera who had to watch me. And then when I blew into the, to the light bulb to, the, to put out the fire, he would hit a button or flip a switch or whatever, and that would turn it off. Um, and that's how it was for all of us. But for some reason, the guy doing it could not get the timing right with my blowing onto the candle. So I would give the line and then I would, or I would, I would blow the candle and I would blow and then it would go out or it would go out and then I would blow. like it couldn't get the timing right. And so, and finally, uh, Stephen had to stop and say, well, he can't tell when you're blowing 
from his position. So try spitting at the candle. Uh, all right. So then I did the, the raspberry um, and it was one take and he could tell instantly because I was actually making the sound of the raspberry and that was it. One take and we're done and we can move on. Thomas Tulock worked on Hook for more than half a year's time. He would celebrate his seventh birthday on set. Imagine that. Turning seven in Neverland. I didn't make too big a deal out of it. We just kind of had a, a cake, um, a, a small little cake, and it basically just me and a couple of the other Lost Boys in our trailer, just kind of with a cake and, and candles. And then I did play Game Boy with Robin for a little bit. We had, um, this was back in, in before mobile phones and all of that. So I had a, a Game Boy. And in order to play two players with someone, you had a, a little three foot cable and you actually had to connect your Game Boy to the other Game Boy. And you actually had to be in the same room with someone when you're playing with them. And yeah, so just, you know, Robin and I played Game Boy games for a little bit. And that's kind of how, uh, how I celebrated my birthday. Near the end of Hook, after the pirates are defeated and Pan's kids have been rescued, Peter faces the difficult task of choosing a lost boy to be in charge as he leaves Neverland for good. The new leader, the Pan, will bear Pan's sword in his absence. Don't leave us, Peter, and don't say goodbye. What's goodbye? It's going away. That's what it is. Forgetting about us all over again. You're all my lost boys. I'll never forget you. Never. So who do I leave in charge? With this, Peter takes his drawn sword and begins pacing before the Lost Boys, as though the weapon is a divining rod in search of its true owner. The sword ultimately comes to rest over the head of Thudbutt, whose facial expression is one of pure wonder and surprise. I heard that uh, when Peter Pan is handing off Pan's sword, that it wasn't known who would end up with it. Is that true? That is very true. Um, it was it was not known, and there were rumors that got spread. So basically, every Lost Boy thought that they were going to get it. Um, and then I remember, like, we would argue with each other. No, I'm going to get it. No, I'm going to get it he wanted the reaction of whoever got it to be more genuine, you know? And so I thought I was going to get it. And so I went into that fully confident that I was going to get it. And then I didn't get it. <laughs> and, um, and he wanted, he want, yeah, he wanted genuine reactions from everybody. So yeah, it was a big secret. The Lost Boys, now under the leadership of Thudbutt, watch as Peter flies away, disappearing into the blue sky above them. Thomas's character steps forward. That was a great game. Thank you for believing. You realize you have the um, 
the honor of having the last line from a lost boy mm -hmm. yeah yes they do i said um that was a great game yep as peter's flying away yeah very proud of that by the way <laughs> We all know the story of Peter Pan. We have to know it in order for Peter growing up to have any context at all. It's this mythology that Hook relies upon throughout the movie. It builds until it reaches its climax when Peter Banning finally, finally, through the help of a stray baseball that knocks his memory loose, and rediscovering the home underground that the Lost Boys built for Wendy all those years ago, remembers who he is. In a dreamy flashback sequence, we see Peter as a child. And he is the Peter Pan of our dreams. He is lithe and limber, with untamable hair and a rakish smile that never leaves his face. I found other windows to visit, ones that weren't shut closed on me. That's how I met Wendy. I chased my shadow in her nursery. I expected my shadow and I would join together like drops of water. <gasps> He has flown into the Darling's nursery, struggling to recapture his escaped shadow until interrupted by Wendy, played by a then-unknown Gwyneth Paltrow. Why are you crying? What's your name? Wendy Moira Angela Darling. What's yours? It was, you know, obviously a great honor to play such an iconic character and uh, in such an iconic movie, it's been it. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty wild even just to think about it still. This is Ryan Francis. Well, initially I was reading for Lost Boys, uh, one of the Lost Boys, um, and I can't remember which one. I don't think if I if I'm trying to remember correctly, I don't think we were, anyone was specifically reading for individual parts. It was just you were reading for a Lost Boy, and they would kind of, oh, you look like a this or you look like a that. At the time, I mean, I. I knew it was big in the in the sense that there were so many auditions and there were so many kids and um, you know obviously making it to the end and meeting with like I'll never forget I walked into this room and it was just this monstrous conference table and there was just people <laughs> lined up all the way around on each side and at the end was you know Stephen just sitting back there like the the chief he was and. Um, he knew I was reading for Lost Boy. Obviously, they introduced me as I came in, and he was like, nope, nope, you're going to be Peter Pan. We want you to read for Peter Pan. And I was like, okay. And he's like, how athletic are you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I play sports. I'm really athletic. And he's like, okay, I want you to jump up onto this table without using your hands, just one, one jump up onto this table and get into this pose, which was, you know, the hands on the hip iconic pose and so I did it one fell swoop jumped up did it and I kind of like I remember I like ruffled some papers and I was like oh sorry and he's like no no that was amazing that was great do it one more time I was like okay so I jumped off the table and jumped back up on the table into the pose again and he was like that's great thank you so much and I was like okay and then I yeah I uh I walked out, they gave me some sides, came back in, read a couple of the lines, and yeah, the next thing I knew, a couple of weeks later, uh, I found out I had booked it, and uh, 
yeah, I mean, it was pretty much that simple. When you watch Ryan in Hook, it's obvious what Spielberg must have seen to immediately envision him as Peter Pan, rather than another nameless lost boy. I don't know exactly what it is. He just looks the part. That is my real hair. They just teased it, teased it, teased it, teased it. A lot of hairspray. You know, they put on like the, whatever, the clay or whatever, the, the mold to, to get the mold to make the ears. And, um, the only thing that really that they did for the ears really is just made the tip because I already kind of had the elfish look and kind of the elfish ears anyway. So they really only made the tips. And so they just really much, pretty much just glued like the pointy tips onto my ears. Other than that, I think that's kind of why I booked the role is I kind of already just fit this elfish young boy, you know, who had a wild eyes, who was, you know, ready to go on an adventure. So they literally just <laughs> put me in the outfit, put these little tips on my ears and, you know, teased my hair and that was it. Before Peter Banning begins to remember his childhood and why he left Neverland all those years ago, we get a glimpse of his youthful counterpart in a way that I must admit blew my young mind when I first saw the movie. When time is running out for Peter to become the Pan and rescue his kids, he retreats back to the Lost Boys hideout to try a few desperate attempts at flying. When a fly baseball hits him in the head and knocks him down, he scrambles to get back to his feet. But before he recovers, he glances into the shimmering surface of a nearby body of water and sees, instead of a reflection of his current self, the face of a 12-year-old Peter Pan. It is as though Neverland knows who he really is, even if he can't remember. It is a sublime image. Ryan filmed this scene, his only one with Robin Williams, on his first day on set. This was like pre-CGI, so I'm literally underwater in that scene. Everything was handmade, and so in that pool of water they kind of built up this like hill and then built like the pool and then they cut out a hole in the in the hill and put in this like kind of glass coffin under the water and then they would slowly like roll me out into this little coffin thing and I was literally underwater there for that scene um and that and that was my first that was my first scene that I shot Ryan Francis's contribution to Hook, other than the reflection in the water, exists entirely within the Darling nursery in the Remembering Childhood sequence. He shares these scenes with Dame Maggie Smith and Gwyneth Paltrow. Paltrow is Steven Spielberg's goddaughter and took on the role of young Wendy as a sort of favor to a family friend. Everyone was like, that's Steven's goddaughter, like, be super cool, like, don't, you know, whatever. I'm like, don't what? I don't know. I mean, like, what? Uh, I remember everyone saying that, um, but she was super, super sweet. Um, and then Maggie Smith, the dame Maggie Smith, I mean, she really is a dame. Like she's friggin' royalty. And you could just feel that. Um, just the way she, you know, conducted herself, the way she handled herself, her presence was so like just royalty. I just was like, hey, how are you doing? You know, Miss Smith, she's like, oh, call me Maggie, darling. And, you know, in her accent and just everything. And um, again, just, I remember being in her presence, like she was just so friggin' royal, man. I don't know how else to sell it. She was just so royal. 
Even though young Peter Pan is relegated to one very specific part of the movie, Ryan Francis, along with the rest of the young actors on set, had their run of the studio for the duration of filming Hook. In fact, at one point, Steven Spielberg reportedly said that working with all the kids on Hook made him question whether he wanted to have any more kids of his own. Yeah, man, we friggin' like I said, we just uh, we just ran those that set, man. That that whole <laughs> that whole studio. I mean, because they were like on I don't know four or five stages. They were on not even just on the main lot. There was also um, I can't remember. There's another there was another lot there. Uh, that was a part of it. it was a smaller one i mean it was just so massive and like it was such you know it was like the biggest movie of the time it was like the biggest budget i mean obviously you go through the list of the cast and it was just so massive and so you know and it wasn't just like a handful of kids it was like two handfuls of kids and we're talking about being lost boys and peter pan so just the whole energy i mean it was just i mean we were stealing golf carts we were just we were just running around just really being just young and having so much fun. So I, I could see where he would kind of rethink <laughs> working with kids again after that. It was, like I said, this was pre-CGI. So friggin' Hook's ship was literally a whole ship floating inside a soundstage. Like they had built, like everything you see, that ship, that all, all the, the whole, um, that pirate's cove thing, like that, like that was all real. That ship was real. That ship was literally floating inside a soundstage. Like it, it was, it was friggin' magical, dude. Um, Neverland, like the way it'd go from like the snow part to like the forest part to like that, that lagoon that was like all those colors, like, man, like, oh, dude, it was so crazy to just see this stuff because, it was real. It was real. This wasn't CGI. It wasn't even like half built. And they would like do CGI for the rest of it because there was no CGI at the time. Like every, everything was literally real. So, I mean, you were literally in Neverland. You were literally on Hook's ship. Like it, it was just honestly one of the best experiences uh, of my life. Hooked is produced and edited by me, Christopher Allen Maloney. If you like what you hear, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Christopher Allen Maloney. By signing up, you can get early access to episodes and bonus content that didn't make the show. For more information, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also get in touch with me through ChristopherAllenMaloney.com. Be sure to rate and review Hooked on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Original music is by Victoria Regal. Archival material is protected under the Fair Use Doctrine of the Copyright Act of 1976 and is intended for educational and commentary purposes.